0: I can see it, yeah. But I don't know how to relate
1: it to you, you know? I've worked with hundreds of women entrepreneurs to help them market their businesses. Behind their businesses, they all have stories to tell. Whether it's battling mommy guilt, starting a business after being fired from a six-figure job, or realizing they needed to pivot and forge an uncharted path. They've all experienced something on their journey to success. I'm one of these women too, and I'm here to share our stories on Bright Girls in Business. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bright Girls in Business show. This is Chanel Yarber of Bright Girl Media. And as always, I am excited to be before you and to share my platform with other women entrepreneurs just like myself. I always start off the show by letting you know that I love the engagement. I love the comments and the likes and all that other good stuff. So make sure that you, if you are watching Let us know where you are checking in from, where you're watching from, what you're doing. Shout me out. Say hey something just so that I know that it's a live body on the other side of the screen watching me. So today, 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 I am super excited. I have a guest who is here all the way remote live from Houston. She's a new Houstonian. Uh, she just transplanted there in July, actually. So she's just getting her Texas feet wet and learning a little <laughs> bit about the, uh, the Texas swain down here. <laughs> and so she is an author, she is a speaker, a dynamic coach and accountability partner for women who are overcoming trauma and learning to live their best lives. And so we are here today to talk about getting it out the mud. We are gonna talk about how to use the dirt and all the things that have been thrown on you throughout your life and use those as a catapult or a stepping stone to greatness. So welcome my guest today, Miss Fatima C. Oliver. Yes,
0: hello, yes, we are neighbors.
1: Yes, almost, kind of, sort of, <laughs>
0: next door, kinda down sorted. the road, around the corner. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to be walking.
1: <laughs> no, but. we won't be doing that. We could, do a, we could do a quick, you know, quick train ride, a quick, you know, car Something ride like up the that. road from Houston to Dallas.
0: Uh, yes, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for having me and just wanting to, you know, dive in and, and talk about some deep transformational
1: stuff. Yes, I'm excited about it. So, I don't know if you watched my uh episode last week. It was my comeback. I hadn't been on air in almost a year. And so I shared a little bit about my story, things that I have been going through since I've been off air. And it's it's really like timely that you and I booked this to be right after that because I was like, "Wow, I just got done talking about, you know, some some tragic things that I experienced and mental health and all that other stuff. And then here you go right behind it. So I feel like this is purposeful, it's timely, Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to jump right on in. So Fatima, tell me uh, just a little bit of your story. I know you have a, (laughs) I know you have a story, (laughs) but tell me a little bit of your story and how you got to this point of wanting to even become the coach and the, the
0: mentor that you are. Yeah, well, I wish that I could say that it was such a euphoric moment and I just said, you know what, self, we're just going to, you know, intentionally live our best life emotionally and mentally and physically and all this stuff. Right. That was not the case. It really was. from a space of desperation. I was really in a place where I had gotten all the things I said, or at least most of the things I said I would need in order to feel better about my life, that I would need in order to feel better emotionally and feel worthy. Um, and, and I had those things and I realized that nothing changed on the inside of me, that I was still struggling with anxiety. I was still I'm struggling with suicidal ideation and was really, truly in a place where everybody else seemed to be happy around me. But I was thinking about just suffocating myself. And my husband didn't know, you know, my children didn't know, my closest friends didn't know. I was really in a desperate place. And it was in that moment where I did what I consider, um, I, I approached what I consider a soul healing journey. And that is for the first time, I really want to say ever in my life, I paid attention to what my physical was saying. I wasn't getting any sleep. I was exhausted and I look wore out. I paid attention to what my spiritual was shouting at me. And um, and that was I wasn't praying anymore. I wasn't centered um, like I had been as far as my spirituality And emotionally, I was a basket case. I was on simmer, I like to call it. Nobody knew how I was going to react to anything, right? At any given moment, I was ready to pop off, okay? And my whole family had to walk on eggshells. And I paid attention to the emotional aspect and I paid attention to the mental aspect. The fact that I truly, truly felt like I was losing my mind, that I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. It was an accumulation of all these things that had come together and kind of felt like I was boxed in where I stopped to listen to the fact that all these things were showing me that I was not okay, that something was truly, truly wrong on a deeper level, and that I needed to figure it out. And from there, I was humbled enough by my circumstances to say, okay, I'm ready to change something in my life. Because if I don't, I truly, truly, truly am in that place where I may not be here tomorrow. So I had to basically make a big girl decision that I was going to save my life over being loyal to dysfunction. And that was a very, very tough decision to make, but it was so necessary.
1: Wow. I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and I'm like, sis is me. Like, I'm hearing all of this stuff, and I'm like, yep, yep, ready to pop off, uh-huh, don't know what's going on, uh-huh, body is malfunctioning, yes, I totally, <laughs> I totally get it. So let's take a step back a little further into your story. You told us how you got to the point where, you you know, you got to the, the juncture where you felt like you needed that soul healing, but what happened to you in your past that may have... um I guess triggered or piled up yes. on
0: you to get you to that point. I'm, I really strongly believe that we all have um, rock bottoms. I just don't. I just don't really believe that we have just one. You know, there's a season for everything, and it's a matter of if we pay attention or not. So for me, I feel like I had multiple rock bottoms in my life, uh, relationally wise, and. I was always sad. I feel like I lived in a space of just sorrow. So, um example, when I was 2 years old, I I became deformed, got burned on 25% of my body. So, starting out as a toddler, I had to mm-hmm. learn how to eat, walk and talk all over again. And so I was introduced to the world, you can say, in a cruel way, right? And so as a child, I'm learning um and i'm experiencing grown ups be more cruel to me than adults are re- regarding the scars that are on my feet and that are on my legs. Um i was abused. I, you know, my mom, she she experienced domestic domestic abuse. I experienced abuse at the hands of a stepfather, physical abuse. Me and my brothers tied up to chairs, all kind of stuff. And then another stepfather um sexually abused me. And at one point in time, i had to live with that predator again. And so I just lived constantly in this space of victimization, right? And then not to mention um, my behavior, that transitioned because of these things that happened to me, the bad decisions that I was making in regards to relationships, getting into a marriage where it was domestic abuse every day, all day, having the loss of a, of a child. You know, I know what it's like to experience the death of a child. And then having a child with a chronic illness, it was an accumulation of all these things that were that was happening in my life and that I was viewing from the perspective of my pain. Therefore, looking at it all as my life is horrible. My life is meaningless. I'm worthy of nothing. This must be all that I'm good for. My life will never be a good thing. I mean, it'll just always be miserable because it's always been miserable, and that's what I'm used to being around. and and never having anybody speaking life into me. I didn't even know how to speak life into myself. So really, really living smack down in the middle of that type of mindset and finding my escape in my work, becoming excellent, professionally, but a basket case personally. And so that's why I can say I got to a point where I had acquired these things, right? That professionally, I had, I had excelled. I had so much control. Um, uh, granted, I was a micromanager and a control freak and just uh, <laughs> right? But that was my compensation. That was my safety net. My work was my safety net. And so I had acquired all these things, but emotionally and mentally, spiritually, Even starting to be physically, I was a hot mess. I say I was a poised mess because I knew how to dress it, girl. Mm -hmm. Okay. We know how to do that. We (laughs) know how to, we're going to do it right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I was a poised mess and I really had to get to a a place where I was tired of pointing the finger at all the things that had happened to me and this is why I am the way that I am Mm -hmm. and take responsibility for my life. And I think that's where a lot of people um, get stuck because. By all accounts, I was a victim for a lot of the things that happened in my life. I did not deserve it. And we may not deserve a lot of the things that happened to us, but we are responsible to make something great out of it. We yes. are responsible to turn that pain into purpose. And 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 that's a difficult reality to accept when you've been when you've been abused.
1: It is. It is. And I, I like what you said a couple um a little while back you just said How you had to reframe the way that you looked at things Damn. I know that sometimes It's it's very easy to see The negative in everything it, That's our default honestly as humans Right it's like we can easily see The bad in any situation But I like to tell people it's two sides Of everything it's two sides of a sheet of paper It's two sides of a, sh- uh, a slice of bread It's two sides to a coin hmm. So if there's a negative there has to be a positive Out of it And that's why I really liked reading your story, because um, in the book that you said, the the title of the book is The Prescription is in the Dirt. And I get it when I when I read that, I was like, wow, like that's deep. But it's so blatant and plain to say that the answer to your issue, the answer to how you got here and how to. Push beyond, you know, where you are
0: is in the dirt. So, yeah.
1: So how did did that come about? It's
0: the truth, right? It's like we we run away from taboo. We run away from the pain, and even culturally, um, we. And I don't even know if I should really just um, segment it to 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 um, culturally because. Even generationally, I've been around many a people and generationally, they have grown up similar to myself in regards to um, being growing up under the silent generation where we, you don't talk about those type of things, mm-hmm. right? We don't talk about that. We know that it happened, but we don't talk about it. And it's almost like a, a second victimization, right? And so re-victimizing the victim. And we get into this space of, if I discuss these things, if I give my pain a voice, which is what I call it, Giving our pain the voice. We earned it. We earned it, right? We earned to speak our truth. We, we walked through the pain, so we should be able to speak it, right? But we are instead told to shh, 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 mm-hmm. don't talk about that. And so in giving our pain a voice, there is a part of it where we are saying, this happened to me. It was not okay. But then there's another side of it to your point where we have to say, now what? Okay, I know that it, it wasn't fair. I know that this was wrong. I know that they were wrong. Right. I know that I didn't deserve it. But then now what? What do you do with that? What do you do with that information? And we have to each individually make a decision on what we're going to do with our now what. So for me, it was I'm tired of these things weighing me down. I'm tired of this pain from the experiences that I've had in my life, controlling my decision making, controlling who I date. Controlling how I handle myself in tough situations, controlling how I go inward and, and, and how I don't trust anybody and just all these bad habits that I had accumulated because of these triggers it, due to the trauma that I've experienced in my past. Sometimes you have to get tired. No, scratch that. Sometimes you have to hate what something does to you in mm-hmm. order to work through it, in order to get through it, in order to throw it out. And so for me, I had to get tired of being defensive. I had to get tired of being insecure because it made me needy, you know, and would deal with anything. I had to get tired of feeling unworthy to the point where whenever there was a get together and I wasn't invited, nobody loves me. And, and, I, and I constantly put myself back in that victimization space. I had to get tired of living like that. And so even though I was a victim for, uh, from a lot of things, I had to stop the self-victimization. And that is very, it's tough because that's one of those facing your mess type of situations. But I am a, I, I'm, I'm a testament to the truth that if you are willing to face your mess, if you are willing to look at those boulders, any of those things that, that make you get riled up when you start to talk about it, we call them hurts or hangups if you are brave enough to face every single hurt and hang up that comes up as it comes up and not say oh no no i ain't dealing with it i ain't dealing with that but instead say hmm why do i do that why is it that whenever this person says this to me Mm -hmm. i just get so angry and i can't let it go what is that about when did i start acting that way and just really following those breadcrumbs if you get the courage to do that you will find healing at the bottom of it. I promise you you will. But you do, you have to dig deep and you have to get dirty and you have to be willing to not run away from your junk. But if you do the work, there is so much that can grow from it.
1: I love that. That is so true when you when you flip it onto yourself, right? And and you think about think deeper about the reaction that you have. I know for myself I've I've gone through a lot of stuff. And like you said, those visceral responses that you have, it's just like you you triggered and then you just pop off and then you you look back and you're like, now, why did I do that? Like, was that was that even necessary or how could I have handled that differently? Right. And then you realize over and over and over, you end up in the same cycle and you keep bumping your head against the same walls. You do right. you have to get sick and tired of self. <laughs> you yeah. have to get sick yeah. and tired of you. In order to say, okay, you know, it's time for me to to do something different.
0: Yeah. And we've all gotten there. Right. Where we're like, I can't stand like I have truly had a conversation with myself and I was like, oh, I can't stand myself. (laughs) Like, I can't stand that I do that thing. Right. But then sometimes we find a coping habit to gloss over that thing. So mine was emotional shopping. I was Mm. an emotional shopper. I didn't even realize that I was an emotional shopper. I had no clue, but it didn't matter what I was buying. I could have been, except for school shopping. Oh my God, (laughs) school shopping is a stressor. But outside of that, it didn't matter. I can go to the grocery store and just shop and shop. And any can of corn I'll be putting in that basket, it was soothing me. You know, it was a soother for me. And so when I was happy, I wanted to shop. When I was upset, very, very upset, I needed to go shop. It was like a pacifier.
1: Mm. And
0: when I decided that I was going to face something that seemed so frivolous, um, something so superficial from the from um, a high level, as I started to face it and said, "You know what i 'm not going to use this anymore when I feel these emotions that 's when I got to see wow there 's a lot of stuff up under that shopping like wow why why do I run to that and there 's a lot of anger here. well, where does that anger come from so It's like a it's like an onion. Sometimes it just begins to peel. You just begin to peel back the layers and you begin to see so much introspectively about yourself when you decide that you are going to walk in a healthier space. And it's one thing at a time for me. Why I wrote the book is because I didn't have a clue of what I was doing at the time. I just was trying to save my life. It really was that simple for me. It was, I am on the brink of committing suicide and leaving this earth and leaving my children and I need help. And so I went to therapy, but even in therapy, I was like, okay, you do it for me. You do it, right? And because that's what I'm paying you for, right? So you do it for me. Nope. I don't want to do that part. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. No, black people, we don't go anyway. So you're lucky that I'm even here. <laughs> and right. so I'm not doing all of it that you want me to do. And about 30 days into it i really had to have a conversation with myself and and accept the fact that i had to participate in my own healing and it was when i made the decision that i need to participate in my own healing we all can make those decisions right in our kitchen i need to participate in my healing that's when i took ownership over my life and from there i started doing my own research and going into different programs to try to change the way that i think And and to get the help that I needed to face traumatic experiences like um, being sexually abused, like the death of a child, being able to meet with people and have those deep conversations and work through those layers of pain so that I honestly could say I choose to release the pain, not the memory, of course, and not the situation that happened because it did happen to me. And I do I earn the right to carry that story but the pain that's associated with it i'm choosing to release it because it has taken so much from me it has taken so much of my sleep it has taken so much of my joy it has taken so much of my relationships the pain so i'm i'm releasing it because i want those things back and so that's what i mean by a soul healing journey it's not waiting on somebody to apologize to you cuz you'll be waiting okay you'll just we'll waiting. be waiting <laughs> but it's about saying whether they apologize to me or not whether they take the whether they own their part or not i am making the choice to release myself from this bondage of waiting on them to validate my pain i'm giving my pain a voice and i'm validating my pain and from there i'm going to turn it into something positive meaning i'm going to excel in my life I'm going to become the person that I've always wanted to be. And people thought I couldn't be. And it's not so that I can wag my finger, but it's because I deserve to live an excellent life. And so just changing the perspective and not viewing your life through the perspective of your pain.
1: I love that. I love that. I'm going to tell you what really, two things really stuck out to me. One is you knew what your pacifier was. And I don't think many people realize what they're using as pacifiers. A lot of people who uh, I in- interact with, engage with, do business with, and who will be watching the uh, the show are women entrepreneurs who are super busy. Many um, are moms. They work in the workforce and they're running a business or trying to run multiple businesses and all of this stuff. And sometimes you can kind of see trauma or hurt show up in the way that people show up in in the workplace or in business I know even in my own life I that's my testimony yeah Um, but what ways if you're if you're speaking to a woman and you know she might be resonating with your story or resonating with some of the things that you're you're talking about what are some ways that you can point to that these women can say, hmm, okay, maybe maybe I do need to take a step back. Maybe this is mm-hmm. happening to me and I didn't realize that I was yeah. in this cycle. What are some of those pacifiers or those triggers
0: that you could point to? Mm. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but typically your family sees them already. You don't. <laughs> Usually you're the last one. And so for me, even with my shopping, I felt justified because... I, I was the breadwinner for, for a lot of years. I worked my butt off. I worked overtime, all this stuff. I never asked anybody to do anything for me. See, this was the chip on my shoulder. I never asked anybody to do anything for me. So I take care of the bills first. The bills get paid. Don't, you don't ever see nothing get turned off, right? So then that means that if I wanna go to the store and soothe myself, then that's what I can do. Right. So then I got my Amazon boxes and my shoe dazzle and all these people showing up. And my husband is like, oh, my God, I can't even get in the house. Right. And when he would make a comment, I'm like, don't even try. Right. Talk to the hand, because like I said, I can read off my resume. Mm -hmm. It was only when I decided to start being real with myself and pulling back the layers of these boulders of my hurts and hang ups, Somewhere down the line, as you're pulling back those layers, as an example, um, why am I always so angry? Whenever they do this thing to me, I get so angry and I'm angry all day, right? Where I should be able to let it go, but I'm angry from the morning it happened and all the way at night and I can't sleep because I'm just so angry. Why does that thing bother you so much? The more that I was starting to look into why, what is the why, why, why does this bother me so much? Is when I realize what I do to pacify the thing when it bothers me Mm -hmm. and that's how I was able to figure out what my pacifiers were what my coping habits were so for me one big thing that I would do is when somebody would ignore me my husband if I was talking to him granted football he's watching football and I want to have a conversation and he's not paying me any attention because he's watching his game which I should know better but whatever right and so I would talk to him, and if he did not stop and look at me and acknowledge my presence, I would be livid. And it would shatter me from the inside out, and I would carry that for days until I was able to get myself to a place where I said, and when I talk to you, you didn't even say anything back. Right? It would hit me on that deep level. Wow. But if I would go to the workplace, and somebody would be talking to me and or I would go and approach my boss and talk to them and somebody else would come up and my boss stops talking to me and starts talking to that person. I would feel that same way. Mm. So clearly it's not about my husband. Right. Because that same feeling of me carrying it for days, I would do the same thing. So it wasn't my husband ignoring me. Right. It's something deeper because I'm acting in the same way. It's just with a different person. It's just, I'm, you know, and then I'm professional. So I'm not going to show that side of me. Right. But on the inside, I'm livid. I'm so livid. And so it was those things that made me have to say, why does that bother me so much? What happened that made that start to bother me so much? And so that was one of those interpersonal things where I had to go back, go back in my memory, go back to my childhood, because a lot of stuff comes from your childhood. Mm-hmm. Go back, just go back. And when I started thinking, I remember that as a kid, that I was quiet. So all my family members would be talking, 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 talking. And I would always have to raise my hand for them to listen to me. And they just thought it was a running joke throughout my throughout my childhood. Oh, Fatima wants to talk. She's raising her hand. Right. And even when I got into the boardrooms, I would still find myself raising my hand in the boardroom. And folks would be like Fatima, why are you raising your hand? Mm -hmm. Because I felt like that was the only way people would listen to me. And when they wouldn't listen to me, I would get frustrated. And so it wasn't for me to go back and call all my relatives and say, when you ignored me, this is what happened. No, it was just a point. It was just a point in my life where I could say that's where that comes from. And so now when I'm in a room and I am ignored by, by my, my boss just stops talking to me and starts talking to somebody else, that may be rude, but I don't allow it to fester with me for days because it's not hitting me in that insecurity spot anymore, because I'm not that little girl anymore, and I can control myself, and I've changed my life, and I am worthy, and this is their issue if they're ignoring me and being rude. It has nothing to do with me. I don't have to go back and relive that as I had been doing all that time. So stuff like that, it's like pulling back the layers on those different hurts and hangups and habits that you have, and it'll allow you to see what those triggers are. Does that make sense? It It's like perfect really tapping sense. into that emotional aspect of why did this bother you? Why did this make you upset? Why did this make you sad? Why did this make you angry? And really looking at it and dissecting it and saying, there has to be a reason. There's always a reason why we do what we do. But having the courage to admit what that reason is and then going back and saying, when did that even start? And once you get to the place of where it started, you can make a conscious decision of... I need to dive into that deeper and release that pain or I need to tell myself, stop acting like that, you ain't ate no more. What do I have to do to resolve that? Sometimes it's much deeper and sometimes it's frivolous, but you gotta do the work in order to get to that place to make that decision.
1: I love that. I love that. I heard so much I mean this this is so rich for me. I'm gonna tell you it's it's mirroring, it is mm-hmm. affirming, it is confirming. Um, it's just all the things for me. So I hope that whoever is watching this audience, that y'all are gleaning and y'all are eating this up because it is so real and so necessary, especially as we are ascending and we're taking up space in the world in corporate or in business or wherever we might show up, even in our families. I think that's the place where we take for granted a lot. It's like, oh, they're going to love us anyway, so we don't have to, kind of what you just said, I'm going to act professional at work, but at home I could fall out and act a fool. <laughs> and so um, just understanding how we show up in the world and um, how to dig into those, those painful places that sometimes we run from, we put work on top of it, we put you know, brunch and, and Gucci and we put all the things. On top, we know how to, you know, glisten and shine and ice it over and make it look like we have it all together. And then on the inside, we're broken little eight year olds, like you said. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it keeps us.
0: Yeah. And we get and sometimes we're ashamed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're afraid to feel that shame to really take on on our shoulders that huge, big thing, uh, a cloth of shame. And I would say to anybody that is recognizing some things in themselves that they need to change, don't feel ashamed of that. Because number one, we all got stuff we need to change. That's number one. And the fact that you are willing to look at it and acknowledge it and work towards it, that takes so much strength. I mean, you can count on one hand the people that actually do the work. Some people will see they got got stuff they need to fix, but they don't want to do the work. Mm
1: -hmm. For you to
0: see it and then say that you're going to work on it That is the most courageous, bravest thing, strongest, just powerful thing that you can do for yourself. That is the ultimate self-love to me. And I had to learn that because there were some people in my circle that wasn't in that space where I was at. So I had to work to change my circle and make sure that I was around supportive people that was doing like-minded work. And then the reality was I was I wasn't going to be able to hide from the people that wasn't doing the work. So I needed to learn how to show them grace to Mm -hmm. understand that just because I'm in this space of where I'm self-reflective does not mean that this person is less than a person because they are not. And that just as think about how long it took me to get to a place where I was willing to look at my mess and to face my mess and stand up in my mess. Well, it may take them just as long. So don't judge the person for being where you once were, but also don't don't allow people to make you feel ashamed for you wanting to have certain discussions for things coming up that you feel like you need to talk about and process so that you can release the emotional aspect of what you went through. Right. Don't allow the shame to to overtake you. Feel courageous and feel proud that you are in a space in your life where you are willing to do the work, because it is tough work, to say, you know, Fatima or Lisa or Chanel or whomever, you, you know you're screwing up in this area. It's time to look at it. You're going to have to give some apologies. You know, it, it's time to, to face it. You know, it's time to face it head on. We, we, we fall on the sword in, our, in the workplace. We need to fall on the sword when it comes to our personal life. There are some things you are going to have to apologize for. There are some things that we're going to have to remove from our lives. That takes so much courage. And I just really hope that your listeners get that, because uh, I know one of the biggest reasons where I was walking through my healing process and I got stuck because I was afraid of what I was going to look like on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid of what people like me. Will I be boring? Because I knew how to function in my mess. I knew how, how to respond in my mess. If I screwed up, I knew how to go apologize. Like, I knew my thing. I, have, I had a little routine. I knew my routine. And I was starting to change it. And when you start to change yourself, your circle is going to change, right? Mm-hmm. They have to adjust to this <laughs> new person. So I was really concerned that people weren't going to like me anymore. That I was going to lose people. And that, and that my husband wasn't going to like me anymore. That My, 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 my family was going to think I'm boring. And you know what happened? I did lose people. And there were people that thought I was boring. And I, I did lose some people that were close to me, but it cannot equate to the freedom that I got. It cannot equate to that. It cannot equate to the, just the life that was breathed back into me when I decided to look at my pain and to process the things that happened to me, to release myself from the life sentence I gave myself for every single thing that happened in my life. It could not equate to that. So, I mean, there is a reality to doing this work. It's not going to be like a Disney show, okay? There's going to be some tough moments. There are going to be some hard decisions that may have to be made, but you have to be worth it. And like I said, I did it to save my life. And a lot of us are walking around dead on the inside and excelling wonderfully in our jobs, mm-hmm. but dead in our personal life. And, and we have to save our life. And so for that reason alone, You want to start to do the work one thing at a time, any hurt or hang up that when I'm talking, it came to your head, you know, that, that when, when somebody says something, it triggers you, whatever that thing is. Well, that's the first thing you need to start working on. I love that. That is, that is like, (laughs) you put the perfect period on this whole
1: thing. I absolutely (laughs) love that. Now, Fatima, if some of the viewers want to get your book or if they want to work with you. How should they reach out to you?
0: Yes, well I have my website and it, it is FatimaC.com. FatimaC.com. dot com. C dot com. C is my middle initial, but I'm not gonna tell you what it is. <laughs> okay. All right. Keep it My husband secrets. don't even know. Like they're gonna see it on on you know. <laughs> <laughs> But FatimaC.com, please look me up. I have free resources that are there that can definitely help you get started and, and um, pertaining to if you got anger issues or if you got micromanagement issues or the fear of confrontation, all types of things. Um, it, it's on my website, but you can also pick up my book there. You can also get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. The prescription is in the dirt. And of course, I'm on Instagram, so definitely come find me there. But if you go to my website, you can definitely get in touch with me. And um, if you want to work with me, you can definitely send me a message.
1: Thank you so much for sharing your story, for being so transparent and open. And you were really a joy. I mean, y'all, I I haven't met her before today. I want to say that. Okay. And when we got on here, it was just peanut butter and jelly. And so I I just... (laughs) <laughs> yes, it was great. I enjoyed this. You really, you helped me. So if nobody else ever watches or listens, which they are, but if they don't, just know that this was not in vain. This was so good. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate your pour. So thank you so much for showing up and oh. and for and for
0: doing the work. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. And it's ever evolving. It's always continuous. And um, I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Well
1: all right y'all, we have reached the end of today's episode. It has been a doozy. I hope y'all got a lot out of it. I hope y'all sit and y'all, you know, get your tea and and get you some some essential oils or something and really meditate on what was said today because it's so necessary as we're growing our businesses, your your business is only going to grow as big as you grow and it's only going to go as far as you can take it. And so Take these little soul moments that we're pouring into you, take them to heart, take them and uh, apply them because it's so necessary if you want to reach your goals and get to the next level. So next week, at the same time in the same place, we will be back with another bright girl in business, Miss Erin Cross, and we are going to be talking about being an educational entrepreneur, and transferring your skills from the classroom into being a business owner. So you don't want to miss it. All you educators, I know y'all know teachers. Y'all got teacher friends and all that. Tell them to come and watch. Tell them to come and join. I will be back next week at 6 p.m. Central right here on the Bright Girls in Business show. See you later. Build a brand that grows your business. Let Bright Girl Media take the guesswork out of marketing your business. Our team is dedicated to helping you build a brand that is so powerful it woos your ideal client. We (laughs) offer custom websites, email marketing, social media marketing, and more. With membership subscriptions as low as $39 per month, we have solutions for every budget. Let's create a plan of action to make sure your business wins. Visit us at brightgirl.media
0: to learn how we can empower you to reach your goals.